This podcast was recorded Thursday, January 19th at 10.33 a.m. Things may have changed by the time you hear this. Yeah, like lawmakers will agree on how to pay the bills that they've already incurred. Yeah, and just maybe we won't have to have this silly debt ceiling conversation so often. All the time. Yeah. Let's Never. talk politics. This is Snollygoster, WOSU Public Media's weekly look at Ohio politics and all those Snollygosters or shrewd politicians who say, that's it, no more borrowing, and then they raise the debt ceiling 78 times. I'm Steve Brown. 78 times. And I'm Mike Thompson. Coming up on the podcast, the race for U.S. Senate in Ohio. Didn't we just have one? Well, the next one has begun. Politics never stops, right? But first... It's a term that we have not heard in a while, but the trial of the century begins this week. It is the trial of the century, at least in terms of Ohio politics. Yeah, jury selection begins for the bribery and racketeering trial of former Ohio House Speaker Larry Householder, one of the biggest figures in Ohio politics over the last two decades. And I love him because he's so absurd. I'm happy he's back in the limelight. Householder and former Ohio Republican Party Chairman Matt Borges face charges that they engineered the largest political bribery scheme in Ohio's history. Prosecutors say they took $61 million in bribes from the Northeast Ohio Utility First Energy and then used it first to win householder the speaker's gavel, then to pass a huge bailout of two First Energy nuclear power plants, and then to defeat an effort to repeal that controversial bailout law. Householder and Borges claim there was no quid pro quo, that the first energy bailout saved jobs and helped keep Ohio's energy market diverse. Three other people also charged in the scheme, consultant Jeff Longstreth, as well as lobbyists Juan Cespedes and Neil Clark. Longstreth and Cespedes pleaded guilty and are cooperating with prosecutors. Clark died by suicide in March of 2021. At long last, at long, 30 months it's been 30 months since, since this indictment came down. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I remember it was the summer of the pandemic yeah. when Householder's house was raided by the FBI. We were all shocked to see it. And I, I, it, in some ways, it seems like 10 years ago. I know. Just because of pandemic time, right? Pandemic it, time doesn't really exist. But yeah, federal, 30 months. It just takes forever, federal court. Plus, this is a very complicated case. But anyway, it finally goes to trial. Jury selection begins, and I don't know how long that will take, and then the trial is expected to last up to two months. It'll be great TV. It'll be... No, it won't be great TV. It, w- the, it won't be t- great there's TV. There's no You're cameras right. in the courtroom. You're right. It'll be great newspaper copy. Set it won't, it won't be great radio. It won't be great TV. It'll be great newspaper copy. We'll talk about it a lot here at WOSU on 89.7. Um, all the TV talk shows will talk about it yep. as well, but because of archaic court rules, you will not see or hear any of the testimony. Yeah, which is a shame because this is something that Ohio, the public should see and hear what goes on in this trial. But we'll put that aside for now and talk about things to watch for. I think most people want to hear these secret recordings. Apparently there are lots of secret recordings. Uh, Cooperating witnesses wore wires for federal investigators and we will hear the deal-making According to the prosecutors, the bribing, according to the prosecutors, Householder and Board just claim this is just hardball politics, but we'll be able to hear some of that in action, we hope. Yeah, you and I won't be able because we won't be in the courtroom, but... Um, but those I, should be public record. We right. should get those, those, those should be made public. We, should, we actually should I would hope those. so. Yeah. 
Yeah. We hope yeah, to anyway. Yeah, we, we would love to air them. Yeah. Uh, some key witnesses that we do know um, or, or that we expect, you know, things can change, but key witnesses that we expect, first of all, State Representative Dave Greenspan, who rebuffed householders' call that he support House Bill 6 or the nuclear power plant bailout law, as well as Tyler Furman, who was working uh, to repeal the law. He met with Borges and says Borges tried to get him to hand over confidential information. I, I Forgive me, I should know if either of these two might be the ones who wore the wire. I don't know. If yes, that's, uh, if that's... Tyler Furman wore a wire and met with Borges, according to prosecutors, according to the indictment, in which uh, Borges claimed that he could take care of his him financially, take care of his mortgage, if he would just hand over some secret information from his campaign. They were on opposite sides in the re- that repeal effort. And um, now Borges claims that he was just trying to get information and it was just hardball politics and he did nothing illegal. Prosecutors say that crossed the line and uh, it was, you know, I don't know what you call it, fraud or bribery or whatever, but that's uh, what uh, Borges faces. Yeah, we might also hear from Cespedes and Longstreth, which would not really be a surprise since they're now cooperating with prosecutors, but it would be good to to have them on the record out in the public. Yeah, you would think they're going to testify since they have pled guilty and are cooperating. They can give you the inside scoop of what the thinking was, what the motivation was, and how it all worked. I mean, this really will expose. One of the benefits of this trial will be we will get a really good inside look at how this whole dark money system was used in these campaigns. First to get Householder elected, Speaker, then to get House Bill 6 passed, and then to defeat the repeal effort, which uh, really flamed out within those 90 days they had. You know, the secret money where private corporations, donors, wealthy donors, can give money for political purposes anonymously, and then that money works its way into campaigns and into individual candidates' kitties, more or less, although they technically don't have control over it. Yeah, this will sort of peel back the curtain on how that whole dark money environment works, because we hear that phrase a lot, dark money, um, and and both figuratively and literally, we don't know much about it. I mean, you don't know much about the, the money, who it comes from. That's by design. Yeah. But a lot of people don't really know what dark money is. They know it's just sort of hidden money. Yeah, they see these Americans for nuclear freedom or Americans for apple pie that, that run these ads. Mm-hmm. And those are the dark money groups. And Generation Now is the dark money group involved in this one that was closely aligned with Larry Householder and that he's accused of using that money for his own personal use and for his own personal political use, which is illegal. Uh, lots of other possible witnesses that we could see. Uh, D- Dave Yost, the Ohio Attorney General, um, he has been subpoenaed. Uh, also, he cannot be happy that he's subpoenaed. I think he's the only big elected official on the witness list or possibly on the witness list. Well, heavy is the head that holds the crown. I mean, yeah. he'll, he'll be all right. Um, former First Energy CEO Chuck Jones, who in a bribery scheme, it usually takes two to tango, right? Yeah. So First Energy has not got their fair share of criticism, at least not vocally and publicly, right? This is, this is the Larry Householder trial, right? Well, Householder's on trial. Chuck Jones is not on trial here. But... I want to see just how much First Energy is proven to have done here. It's, it, well, they pled guilty. The company has, I, I know, but I has want pleaded to, guilty. They I have, want to see what they do. I want to see what, what, what we can learn about First Energy. But companies do not bribe public officials. <clears throat> People do. People, right? allegedly, bribe public officials. So nobody who, except for Householder, in this case, was accused of accepting bribes, but the bribers, no individuals have been charged whether it's 
Chuck Jones or anyone else from First Energy, or it's Sam Randazzo, um, whom First Energy says it bribed for favorable rulings while Randazzo was head of the Public Utilities Commission. They have not been charged yet. So will they ever be charged? Are they cooperating? We don't know. Will they testify? It's kind of a mystery. It'd be interesting to see, see Randazzo as well because, again, his house was raided by the FBI, mm-hmm. um, but so was Cliff Rosenberger's, right? I mean, he was never charged uh, criminally. Yeah, so, court no- watchers that I've talked to, they, they're mystified as to why Randazzo has not been charged yet or indicted yet, and they strongly suspect that he is cooperating behind the scenes, and that's why he has not been indicted yet. It'll depend on how much he cooperates, what kind of deal he can get. If these allegations are true. Here's the big question. Does Larry Householder take the stand? That is the that's the big question. I mean, he is he is a larger than life politician, very confident, vigorously claims his innocence. My guess is we don't know for sure. My guess is he wants to take the stand. His attorneys do not want him to take the stand, I'll guarantee you that. But my guess is that he right. wants to to lay it out and, and have his say. I mean his for thirty months. He has been accused of this. He denies guilt. He says he is innocent of doing what they say. Knowing how Larry Householder is and how he has operated in the public space, you would think he would want to testify. And he might. Yeah, I don't know if his... I'm with you. I don't think his attorneys allow it. I, it that takes him listening to his attorneys. Yeah. But... That that would be interesting. That would be that would be fun to watch. Again, you won't see it on TV. You won't hear it on the radio. But that would be compelling testimony, to say the least. Yes. Because he is a very brash, um, Donald Trump-like in many ways. Um, you remember the 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 primary ads of him shooting a TV yeah. of the liberal media. I mean, he is uh, as out there as it gets. And for him to be on the stand, he refused to give up his seat, even though he had been had to be indicted. expelled by the yeah. House. He, he's going to go down fighting. Do you go down fighting and not take the stand? I don't know. I don't think you can. No. I don't think you can, but we'll see. Anyway, that is obviously the biggest political story right now. Also, we did uh, have a, another big nugget this week, nearly two years before the election. The 2024 U.S. Senate race already has an official challenger to Sherrod Brown. Yeah, State Senator Matt Dolan this week announced his bid to challenge Sherrod Brown, the incumbent Democrat. Dolan is the first Republican to declare If you recall, he was the last Republican to declare in the 2022 race, eventually won by J.D. Vance. Yeah, J.D. Vance, of course, won Donald Trump's endorsement. Matt Dolan did not. In fact, he ran away from Trump during that campaign. He was vocally anti-Trump, and it almost worked. He came on strong and finished third in a crowded field. He was, uh, again, he got every anti-Trump vote out there. Dolan would not say if he will be as Trump-averse in this campaign. Everyone keeps talking about strategy. I run my own campaign. I am my own person. I have my own experience, and I don't let anybody else dictate what, what you know the direction I'm going in. The Ohio Democratic Party says voters rejected Dolan's bid to buy a Senate seat the last time, and they call him a shill for corporate donors. Well, he certainly could. If anyone could afford a Senate seat, he would be among them, right? He's the part owner of the Cleveland Guardians, very wealthy man. Um, Probably a stronger candidate at this point than he was in 22, just because of the um, the more, frankly, negative news out there about Donald Trump and, and other things. Um, yeah, if you I, look at the, you know, the hindsight 2020 and you look at who won Senate seats around the country. Now, J.D. Vance won the Trump endorsement and won here in Ohio, mm-hmm. but everywhere else, the Trump endorsed candidates did not fare 
as well. So you'd think if that trend continues that Matt Dolan would be a stronger candidate than he was in 2022. If Brown wants to paint his future Republican opponent as an extremist, Dolan, not the guy he wants to run against, Dolan is, is not an extremist. He's, I mean, you know, he's, he's not a, quote, moderate. I mean, at least not, not with how he votes. He's, he's very much a, a conservative Republican, yeah. but he is not an, an extremist far right, certainly not socially far right. Yeah, if I'm Sherrod Brown, the two candidates I worry the most about are Matt Dolan and Frank LaRose, because they have, Frank, right. they, Frank LaRose now has won statewide twice. He has statewide name ID, a statewide organization. Matt Dolan has now, he ran statewide, got a lot of name ID in the 2022 campaign. Dolan is the clear Trump-averse candidate. LaRose has rode that fence like uh, Mike DeWine does and things like that. He's tried to, he's, he's, he kind of leans into the, somewhat into the voter fraud thing and the immigration thing. Dolan is more tempered on that. So, but, um, you know. If I'm Sherrod Brown, my, my guess is Matt Dolan is the guy they don't want to face. Don't, you know, plenty of Republicans out there have done an about face on this and have, you know, J.D. Vance said he could not stomach Trump. He, uh, he compared made, Trump to Adolf hit, Hitler. Right. That's, <laughs> it doesn't get a lot worse than that. And he uh, groveled in ways for the Trump endorsement and won it. This I don't think a, an about face is that crazy of a thing to imagine Matt Dolan doing. Yeah, I wonder. 2022 and the results should give him pause, but mm-hmm. I would not put it past any candidate to flip on their stance on Donald Trump looking at the polls. If they think that's how we can win, I can see him. Now, Matt Dolan did come in third in that crowded Republican primary, but he is never— he's a close third. He just he's, barely was but behind he's, Josh Mandel. He's never going to appease the far right because you can remember he was the state senator who introduced Mike DeWine's— uh, package of gun reforms following the mass shooting, shooting yeah. in Dayton. He is um, viewed as anti-gun by the NRA types. Yeah, here's his, here is his package of modest gun regulations. He supports a red flag law, which mm-hmm. would take guns away from dangerous or mentally ill people. His bill would also make it tougher for people between 18 and 21 to buy an assault-style rifle. A rifle not, with, not impossible, but tougher. A, ri- a rifle with more than one bullet at a time, basically. And it would impose a waiting period for those between 18 and 21 who, who want to buy a gun. That's in response to these high-profile shootings where folks 18 years old, Vivaldi being the, the most recent, you know, shot up a school. But it was introduced in the wake of the Dayton shooting in 19. Yeah. Well, he did it twice. Dayton's was, uh, DeWine's was first, and then Dolan introduced this late last year in this session as well. And these seem like modest reforms. They're nothing... Well, they're very modest. They are, but not in the eyes of the far right. These no. red flag laws especially are, are seen as the, the gateway to confiscation and ubiquitous gun registration. They are a, uh, a non-starter for the far right. Yeah, so that makes... So the question is, Sherrod Brown probably fears him the most. But can Matt Dolan make it out of an Ohio Republican primary? Yeah, I would. I'm not sure. I, I would think, again, right now, 15 months away from the primary, about Frank LaRose is a more appealing candidate than Matt Dolan. But Frank LaRose is not declared yet. Yeah. D- Dave Yost potentially has not entered the race. Who knows who knows enter, who yeah. enters this race? Congressman Warren Davidson from southwestern Ohio is, is talked about. Mark Kwame, venture capitalist. Mark Kwame. Jobs, Ohio guy. Yeah. He probably wants to follow the J.D. Vance can do it. I can do it. 
So, I don't know. There's more money in venture capital. I think. Yeah, but no, it came from the private sector into the U.S. Senate seat. I think that's what Mark Kwame is looking at if he runs. I, I don't know. Yeah, Ber- Bernie Marino. Um, he ran. Mike Gibbs, Josh Mandel. Josh, never count Josh Mandel out. I, I could count him out right now, actually. He will never count himself <laughs> no, out. No, he will not. He's a very brash, very confident guy. Um, yes. A loss has never dissuaded him from winning a game. Obviously not. Um, and Brown, I don't know if he's vulnerable. Brown is uh, is the model Democrat for Ohioans, but he's, um, I don't know if he's as strong as a candidate as he was in, in 18. It's a presidential election year, which it wasn't in 18, so that helps Sherrod Brown, You would because there'll be a better, there'll be a good Democratic turnout, turnout in 24. Regardless of who the not and, and Joe Biden not the most popular Democratic president. If, but you don't know if he's going to run again. You don't know if Trump's going to run. There's a lot mm-hmm. of variables. If yeah. Trump, if Trump is on the ballot, it that's the key variable in this whole thing. That that will determine if if Biden runs again. If he has, you know, if the Democrat who the Democrats run. But it is a presidential election year, which you have to figure helps Sherrod Brown and helps the Democrats because Democrats traditionally have had a harder time turning out, and they tend to turn out much better in presidential election years. And then the abortion question could be on the ballot as well. There's a lot of variables and a long way to go, but it's on. The race is on. Anyway, turning now to our Snollygoster of the Week Award, which goes to the shrewdest politician of the past seven days. And this week it goes to Derek Maron, the state representative who thought he would be speaker until Jason Stevens plied away 22 Republican votes to combine them with Democratic votes to get him the speaker's gavel. This week, Derek Maron let voters know, let his fellow lawmakers know what they are missing. He gathered a group of his supporting lawmakers to unveil ethics legislation. It would force lobbyists to be more transparent about how they make their money. It would force the Public Utilities Commission nominees to disclose their conflict of interest with utilities. And it would keep elected officials from sitting on corporate boards. Attention John Houston, who sits on a corporate board. Very directly aimed at his position on a bank's uh, board of directors. Marin says if he was speaker, it would have been the House's first piece of legislation, HB1, as it would be. Pretty shrewd tactic, taking a high road, hoping voters and some Republicans will have regrets about leaving him at the speaker's altar. Also, again, a a shot aimed directly at John Houston. Yeah, I wonder what that's all about. It is a pretty shrewd move. I think it's about him challenging establishment Republicans. My question is, there are only 11 Republicans behind him. You'd think there would be more when you're I guess trying the, to introduce ethics legislation. How many were, were, how many were with town. him? 40, about 42? Yeah. I guess the other 31 or so don't care about ethics. No Democrats there either. This should be bipartisan, right? Ethics? They can't be in that photo. That's I know. The, the I know. Edition. I know. Anyway, that will do it for this week's edition of Snollygoster. If you have a suggestion for next week, please email it to us at snollygoster at wosu.org. And as always, leave a good good review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts and tell your friends about us. Until next week, for our student producer, Katie Genius, our audio producer, Eric French, and our web producer, Michael DeBonis, I'm Steve Brown. And I'm Mike Thompson for Snollygoster from WOSU Public Media.